there I've done it. Bald face lied to the cops. Well, I couldn't tell them that. Oh yeah, that's my brother James. He's in the next room. I've already been evasive about that. But now I've gone and lied. And looming like the specter of death was a certainty that they would find out. Taste of Water, Part 2. Unwelcome to Earth Stories. Sooner or later, they would track the photo back to James and they will know. What happens if he started coughing now? My fingers shook and I balled up my fist to hide them. Then I realized that was an obvious tell. So I rubbed my arm like if the blood drawn was bothering me. I sucked at lying. All right, well, if you remember anything else, give us a call. He held out a business card. I took it and thanked my stars. James emerged an hour after they left. He went in immediately to the bathroom, but I intercepted him on his way out. How did you sleep? He approached the couch, pulling his head to one side. I must have slept weird because my neck is crazy stiff. His voice sounded even worse, like if he's been gargling with a wire brush. I had the most amazing dream, though. I was super famous, surrounded by fans and flashbulbs, and I was rushing to my limo, signing autographs, a girl on each arm. It was awesome. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it wasn't for your singing voice. <laughs> that caught a chuckle out of him. Uh, do me a favor. Draw the shades, will you? And, and do you have any Advil? He stretched his neck the other way. I closed the blinds. He was still sensitive to light. Far left cabinet, next to the coffee filters. When you're done, I ran across a video you should see. He filled the glass with tap water, which I would have warned him against if he had been paying attention. Ah, oh, disgusting. Sorry, bro. City water is the price you pay. He poured the rest of the water in the sink and joined me at the couch. I brought up the video I had mentioned. Uh, content warning, this is pretty sick. I hit play. The video started with a popular beach on a sunny day. Indistinct voices chattered happily above the sounds of seabirds and crashing waves. Music played in the background, growing louder and fainter as on-scene traffic passed. It zoomed in on a trio of young women walking past in skimpy bikinis, bronze bodies on a full display. After a few moments, the view widened in search of other interesting sights. Of the hundreds of beachgoers in the frame, laying on towels, playing pickleball or frisbee, standing in the surf or playing in the sand, a red circle formed around one middle-aged man walking onto frame. His thong looked homemade from palm fronds or something, and he must have really been into training. He was bronze. The only other thing he wore were a bead necklace and a funky ear expander. He was either a total hipster or a native. Dude, why are you showing me this? Just watch. I pointed at the man as if the red circle wasn't enough. He remained on the edge of the frame. The person filming was more interested in a couple of women nearby with dripping ice cream cones. The man just stood there, smiling, 
looking out towards the sea. Then he bent over backwards, and boom. The man vanished, and the people around him were covered in red. A gray cloud followed a moment later, as did the screams. The view jiggled, but remained on the subject a moment longer, while the apparent shock wore off. People started running in all directions, emerging from the cloud, covered in what looked like ash, yelling in a foreign language, and the view panned chaotically as the cameraman ran. Legs, cars, streets, trash, neon signs, all came into view and vanished as quickly. Perhaps 20 seconds later, the view steadied and turned back towards the beach. It was deserted now, except for a woman dragging her child from the surf by one arm. But the view zoomed in to a section of sand, stained red. In the center stood a bone-white pillar that hadn't been there before. Look familiar? That's fake. I raised an eyebrow. Come on, it's clearly fake. Somebody posted it after seeing the nightclub footage, just trying to get views. Okay, this is a post of a post of a post. Because they keep on taking them down, but the original was supposed to be from the days before the woods. A post of a post of a post. Do you even hear yourself? That's total urban legend stuff right there. If something like this happened, why wasn't it filmed by a hundred different people? Why didn't we hear about it a week ago? I don't know, but maybe they did. But this is the one that went viral. Here's the thing that gets me, though. That's a beach in Rio de Janeiro. The girl from the woods still hasn't been identified. How many people do you suppose knew she was from Rio? And she said she was sick all week. She could have been on that beach before leaving for New York. Did you see her? In the video, did you find her? Point her out to me and I'll believe you. It's a shaky cam, and, and the cameraman was drooling over asses. I couldn't make out a single face except for the ice cream girls. I don't know what to tell you then, Willie. It looks fake to me. Oh, you know I hate when you call me Willie. How are you feeling? He gave me an odd look, like I was calling him out, blaming him or something. I don't feel like exploding, if that's what you mean. Be serious, you're sick. You've been sleeping way too much, and I heard you coughing all night. You sound like, um, like, like Isaac Hayes with, with a head cold. And this stiffness is worrying me. I am not sick. I just don't feel good. Watching someone explode will do that to you. Watching someone explode doesn't screw up your throat? Yeah, but smoke inhalation does, and I got that full in the face, too. Thank you very much. The CDC was here not too long ago. The cops, too. They showed me your picture and asked if I knew you. James sat up straight, his eyes going wide. What did you say? I lied to them, obviously, or they'll be talking to you instead of me. But I'm starting to think I shouldn't have. Screw that stupid video. And how it's framing the narrative. What happened at the woods was a terrorist event. Some bastard put a bomb on that poor girl. And acting like this is some communicable disease is belittling that. Someone needs to be held accountable. 
That's why the cops were here. They blame me or they want to. Anybody they can say for sure was there just to make the story go away. And meanwhile, Hezbollah or the Colombians or hell, Russia are laughing their asses off. I was silent for a while. It was hard to argue in the face of such passion. It always had been. Maybe if you're still feeling like crap tomorrow, I'm taking you to the doctor. His face twisted in anger and filled his lungs to respond. But I cut him off. We don't have to mention the woods, and and you could keep the three days growth of beard and maybe part your hair different, you know? Since you aren't covered in blood and no one's going to recognize you, we'll just get you checked out. We'll see. Right now, I reek. I'm going to take a shower while you order lunch. You have any Jimmy Johns around here? Yeah, I chuckled. Here's Jimmy from the sticks, asking if we have stuff in New York. Good. I'd murder for a number 12 right now. He was more active that afternoon, but had zero interest in talking about what happened any further. Instead, we binged watched stuff he missed while he was at college. He went to bed early, and that was it. The next morning, the old James was back. I can't tell you how relieved I was. His voice was still uh, a little bit smoky, but at least it didn't sound like he had a wood chipper for vocal cords. How's your sleep? Great. I've actually been up for a few hours. I just wanted to make sure I gave you time to sleep in. Me? Yeah, I know. I've been a bit of a downer and that you've been worried. Probably kept you up, but I'm going to make up for that. What do you have up your sleeve? I've got plans, all right. The Yankees are playing a day game and I switched my flight for a red eye. I got a seat on the third base line. First tier. You have been busy. How did you score that? I didn't particularly care to watch organized sports, but I was getting into it, just seeing James excited. Some scalper site cost me an arm and a leg, but who cares? I'm in New York, and I'm going to a Yankees game. He flashed me the broadest smile that I've ever seen in ages. But I couldn't help thinking of the James who went to bed early the night before. At risk of dumping ashes on the mood, I asked, Are you sure you're up for that? I feel good. I can't even tell you. It's my last day, and I've wasted the previous two. Let's just be brothers and go see a game. Okay, you've got me. I'm in. It was my turn to wash the last few days off me. And when I came out of the shower, James was stretched out on the couch with salsa music playing on the Alexa and another glass of ill-advised tap water in his hand. Before I could say anything, he took a drink. I made a face, but he smacked his lips. God, it's amazing. What is it? That feeling after you've been sick, you know, and you can breathe again, and the air just smells so sweet. He looked at the glass in his hand. It's like you never notice how good water tastes. It's just water. You drink it because you're thirsty. But after you've been feeling bad, it's the most amazing thing. Nothing added to it. No particular flavor. It just tastes so good. He smiled up at me in that infectious way that you just want to laugh. I smiled back. Come on, we'll take the subway. 
We've dodged a bullet with all the talk of anthrax and the CDC, not knowing what it was, and the video from Rio. I've been sure James was going to die, but he was back, and even more so. I couldn't remember the last time I've seen him so happy. My worries melted, and I saw the world through his eyes. The subway wasn't a commute. It was an event. The people on it all had stories and lives, and they were fascinating. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for riding with MTA New York City Transit. We bought souvenir flags and overpriced beer and hot, fresh peanuts. We yelled at the other team's batters, and we mocked the umpires for questionable calls. Strike three, you're out. We sang the songs. It was probably the most fun I've had since moving to the city. Hey, man, we're gonna go drain the lizard. Don't score any runs while I'm gone, okay? And he got up and squeezed past our neighbors to the aisle. He took another look back at me, still smiling, then started up the steep stairs. His foot missed the first one. A look of confusion came over his face, and he stopped. High fly ball, deep right center, going back Hernandez, track, Dread ceased over me. It was like waking from a dream. His mood, our happy times, the entire morning popped like a balloon, and he was just another Brazilian girl dancing in a nightclub. I stood up, but I couldn't speak. The blood drained from my body, and my limbs went weak. A smile flashed across James' face, but the confusion was back a moment later. Then his face twisted and stretched. His eyes rolled back, and he gripped the handrail like he was magnetically attached. Slowly, his body bent backwards, nearly double. This finally got the attention of everyone around him, the crowd, at least those within a dozen seats of him went silent. Some of them stood. Everyone held their breath. No! James disappeared faster than I could see, and I was pelted with tiny objects like sand. Something hit my eyeball, and I squeezed them shut, turning my face away. Shards of bones and blobs of goo hit the back of my head. I opened my eyes to see everyone around, covered in gore. The day had gone dark. The sun filtered through a layer of haze hanging over the stands. Someone in the row behind me nearly knocked me over. I reached out for the back of the seat in front of me. Then I was hit from behind and went down. I got hit repeatedly, stepped on. My head banged against the concrete as I raised it again and again, trying to stand. I managed to get on all fours when the coughing fit hit and I couldn't rise any further. Someone stepped on my head. My fingers rolled, bones crushed. The stampede died down and I stood, cradling my fingers in my armpit. What had started here has expanded and the entire stadium was emptying, leaving trampled bodies among empty seats. Even the entire field had cleared. 
I was alone with a pillar that stood in place of my brother. It was rooted to the concrete stairs. No, not rooted so much as melted to it. Like epoxy poured over the surface and bonding with it. And that tall, bone-white, termite mound of a pillar jotted up from it. Steam hovered over the surface. I had the urge to touch it. It reminded me of stalagmites I had seen in a Tennessee cavern when I was a kid. Smooth, but pokemarked with holes. Organic, but alien. The area around it was soaked in blood and covered in dust. But the pillar stood pristine. I snapped a picture of it. My fingers sizzled on contact with it. I drew back from the rock-hard surface. Of course, that kind of rapid reaction would produce a lot of heat. But this was all that was left of my brother. His monument, his grave marker. I felt tied to it, but it seemed like I should feel more. Was this shock? My brother was dead. Where was the grief, the pain? I searched my feelings. I found fear. Worse than that, it was terror. People were coming for me. James had been right. The government, the police, anyone in a position of power was going to want to explain this event. And they would pin the blame on me. Everyone else had run. They would catch me, the last one there. I had to go get lost in the crowd until I found somewhere safe. I can't tell you what the next hour was like. I only remember flashes. I'm pretty sure I did some trampling of my own getting out of the stadium, and I vividly remembered punching someone who got between me and the closing subway door. A cop? Maybe. I only remember her eyes. And the sound of her skull bouncing off the tiles. All I knew is I made it home. Even this didn't feel safe. The cops have been here before. They knew where I lived but I had no place else to go. I closed the blinds again, reminded of James' need for darkness. Whatever he had, I bloody well had it now. I did what I always did when something scared me. I researched. Somehow, knowing everything about something always made it less frightening. I locked myself in the bathroom, climbed into the tub with my laptop, The pain in my hand drew attention away from my purpose, and I examined them by the light of my screen. The fingertips of one hand were seared smooth. The three middle fingers of my other hand were stiff and going black. They throbbed painfully. They needed medical attention, with the certainty that they would lock me up and dissect me for other things kept me from seeking help. I uploaded the picture from my phone. It nagged at me how I've seen something like this before. 
While I've been calling it a pillar, it had none of the symmetry of one. And even the comparison to stalagmites was not quite right. I ran an image search to see what it reminded Google algorithm of. Pictures of stalagmites came up, as did termite mounds, but also mushrooms, tons of them. Videos as well, time-lapse videos of mushrooms blooming and launching their spores into the wind. Each new season, countless spores are released into the autumn air by the mushroom kingdom. Over the period of a few days, each organism tries to reproduce to the best of its ability. That gave me a chill, looking quite a bit like the gray cloud that covered all three explosions I had seen. It still wasn't quite right. The next picture showed a dead ant with a white pillar sticking out of its head. That was it, the exact thing. The caption read, Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. I copied that and passed it into another search tab. These species specialize in everything from other ants to moths, grasshoppers to wasps, and even frogs. Each version is specific to one animal, but the process is the same for each. The animal becomes infected, its behavior immediately changes to better suit the fungus's growth, then it reaches maturity, and the animal seeks out a location where it could infect the most of its kind. Then, in an instant, the fungus grew, a fruiting body, out through its victim, killing it instantly. The interesting thing about the ants was that they knew about this fungus. Guard ants recognized the infected, carried them far from the colony, and killed them. In response to that, the fungus zombies stopped trying to enter the colony, instead hanging from a leaf above it, far enough away not to be noticed, but close enough to infect a thousand others. Thinking back to the Rio video, I wondered if that man on the beach came from the same area of the jungle where these ants lived. I left the bathroom and turned on the news. It was a while before they mentioned Yankee Stadium, because right about the same time, two people exploded at opposite ends of Coney Island, and another in a tour group of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Since then, others have gone off across the Western Hemisphere in major cities and public places around 2 p.m. local time. Sporting events, concerts, and festivals. One state fair, a couple shopping malls, the beach at Cancun, and a Costco in the Midwest. America was in lockdown. Citizens were ordered to remain in their home, and anyone who was exposed to one of these attackers was identified themselves. A special hotline had been set up. The CDC had isolated an unknown fungal spore from the attack at the woods, and pharmaceutical companies were ramping up production of an antifungal medication. People were told to monitor family members for uncharacteristic behavior and isolate anyone who was acting paranoid or overly enthusiastic. If you suspect a family member, friend, or neighbor with any one of these traits, it's imperative you call the toll-free number on the screen. I switched off the TV. If this was altering human behavior, like it did to the ants, I was going to do the opposite of what I felt like. 
fungus grows best in the dark, so I crossed the room to the blinds and grabbed the cord. Fear gripped me. I didn't know who was out there, who might be watching. Were people already turning their family members in? Wasn't it paranoia to imagine that your family has changed behavior? By definition, the ones who were turning people in should themselves be taken into custody. And what were they doing with the people that they picked up? Were we to trust the government? Would these antifungals even work? I opened the blinds. The setting sun streamed in, stabbing my eyeballs with searing hot pain. I crumbled under the weight of it, screwing my eyes shut and nearly vomiting from pain and nausea. Slowly, I steadied my breathing and got a hold of myself. It was dark here, beneath the window cell, but the red cloud of late-day sun reflected painfully off the TV screen. I wanted to stand to defy this feeling and bask in the sun's fading rays like a vampire tired of life. But pain was an excellent teacher. Besides, I remember there was a security camera on the shop at the end of the block, and I'm pretty sure it had a good view of my window. By now, the government was probably tapping those, doing facial recognition on anyone who was at the stadium. I spent the next couple of days hiding from the outside world, drinking tons of water and watching videos of how much worse it was getting out there. The chaos didn't end in America. At 2 p.m. in Tokyo, Osaka, and Kyoto, office buildings and train stations emptied as panicked citizens were fleeing similar explosions. China tried to get ahead of things and ordered everyone home. But that sent the streets of all their major cities into gridlock when people started exploding and the chaos couldn't be contained. Moscow was just waking up when this happened and locked the country down too late for the eastern reaches, but hopefully limiting exposure in their more populated regions. Unfortunately, most Russians lived in colossal apartment blocks that shared a single ventilation system, and the clouds of dust billowed out of every vent. We don't know at this hour what this dust substance is, but as you can see, it has severely blocked our view. Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and Israel all tried similar methods, with varying degrees of success. Major cities across Europe and Africa pleaded with their populations to stay at home. But by then, large protests were forming over government inaction, ineffective mandates, and increasing reports of military injustices. My phone buzzed. Reading Centers for Disease Control. As soon as I saw it, I locked myself into the bathroom again. They were probably demanding that I come in. But it occurred to me, the longer I went without responding, the more likely I would have cops knocking down my door. Eventually, I crept out and picked up my phone, informing me, Your blood work is clean. I almost laughed at the absurdity. They clearly didn't know I was at the ball game, but a second thought choked the laughter off in my throat. Maybe they did know, and they sent the message 
to catch me off guard when they knocked my door in. I turned off my phone and ripped out the SIM card in case they were tracking it. I wanted to get somewhere else, somewhere they wouldn't find me, but where? I didn't have any cash on me, and if I used my credit card to get a hotel room, they would trace that. Back home to the Midwest, my folks would take me in. But how would I get there? I didn't have a car, and renting one or taking a train would mean using my card again. Could I steal a car? I had neither the skill to hotwire one or a weapon to carjack someone with, unless I counted my dull-bladed old leatherman. So I locked myself in the bathroom and sat in the tub. Too scared to open my laptop in case they tracked my IP address. To satisfy my desperate thirst and soothe this aching throat, I drank straight from the tap. It tasted horrible, but it was better than leaving the safety of my dark space. But this morning, I realized the government didn't have the resources for everything that worried me. Besides, I knew I was going to die soon. I had come to terms with that. I had a good life. And looking back at all the laughter and loving friends, I was ready to go. The pain in my joints was gone, and it didn't hurt to swallow. Even my blackened fingers didn't hurt anymore, though they smelled funky as hell. It was time to stop hiding and go out into the world again. There were just two things I wanted to do before I died. Number one, I wanted to finish this journal because I feel confident that a cure is right around the corner, and this may be the key to finding it. After that, I have always wanted to see the view from the top of the Empire State Building. Just one more drink from the tap first. Because damn, it tastes so good. Extra special thanks to Ichabob Ebenezer for the taste of water. If you like this episode, please reach out to Ichabob. He's an incredible writer, a good friend of mine on Twitter. Also, he's a part of an anthology called The Start. Don't get me started. You could also check that out. There's a link to this on the podcast description or on my website, Welcome to EarthStories.com. On there, there's going to be a link to Ebenezer to see what he's up to, and there's going to be a link from Rebellion Lit about the anthology series, The Start. Thanks again for, for listening to the conclusion of Taste of Water. And there's going to be a lot more weird and interesting stories for you to check out and tell your friends about. Goody, goody, I can't wait. While you are here with me right now, if you haven't done so already, or if you want to be an active giver to this show, then you could buymeacoffee.com slash earthstories. On there, you could give monthly, or you could give as a one-time gift. There's also other content on that website 
that's not available in the regular feed because sometimes there's some stories or there's some things that I want to say, but it just goes a little bit off kilter. It doesn't really match the format. So that's why I also put some, some extra material there. But the good thing is, you don't have to pay for the extra material. For real? It's there for you to consume. But if you get the urge and you'd like to help a brother out, you could do so as well. Thanks again for listening. Shantae is going to break down all of the credits soon, so please stay tuned. Remember, be kind to each other. Be a good earthling. And I'll talk to you soon. Taste of Water, Part 2 Written by Ichabod Ebenezer and produced by York Campbell Cast includes Katie Frost from KillToCreate.com Leo Allen Timothy from Create Art Podcast Tiffany C. Lewis from Beta Reader Bits Arjun from the Deep Into History Podcast and Chris from Podtastic Audio. To find out more about our cast and to see the artwork for this episode, please visit welcometoearthstories.com. Remember to give back to the show by buying your coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash earthstories. I'm Shantae from ctamarketing.biz. Thank you for listening and see you next time on Welcome to Earth Stories.